0: Hello and welcome to Saving Circle, where we help millennial tech professionals feel confident about managing their money. I'm your host, Vineet Prasad. If you're looking for strategies to help you achieve your financial goals, you're in the right place. On today's episode, do you have RSUs and are trying to decide what to do with them? Well, today we'll be talking to Daria Viktorov, a certified financial planner, about when to consider selling your rsus um, because they're a really important part of your financial picture if you are a young professional with uh, restricted stock units and with that let's get going daria it's so great to have you on the show today thanks for joining us to talk about rsus
1: thanks for having me i'm so excited this is one of my favorite topics especially living in the bay area it comes up all the time
0: That makes a lot of sense, and and I'm really glad to have you on. Um, Now, before we dive into RSUs, um, can you tell us a bit about what you do and the types of people you serve?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. So as you mentioned, I'm a certified financial planner. I work with a wide range of clients, primarily clients that have had sudden wealth events, so that either could be from an inheritance or a company that's gone public. And they now have a wealth of, they have a newfound wealth. And what Excellent. that means is, is that we look at your holistic life. It's not just your investments, but also your taxes and your cash flow. You're also looking at insurance and everything in between. Anything that has to do with your money, we're going to try and fit the puzzle together and how the pieces fit.
0: I love that. I think it's such a valuable service you provide. And it's, it's much more than I think people think about investment investments, but it's so much more than that. And, and it's great. Um, so next question, this is kind of an odd one, but just so our listeners get to know you a little bit better, uh, what is an unusual hobby or guilty pleasure that you enjoy?
1: Ooh, that's a fun question. I would say for me, it would be, I really like fitness and health. So Back when you could go to the gym all the time, I would love going to boxing classes. Uh, not really super physical contact, but you know, mitt work and bags. I just think it's really fun to work out your body and your mind. And there's no daydreaming when you're boxing.
0: That sounds awesome. I haven't tried it myself, but I've heard it's great exercise and a good way to like get in the flow, like you said. That's that's fantastic. Excellent. So let's dive in uh, to talking about um, RSUs. Um, and the first question is actually, you know, before we talk about the, the trade-offs and such, can you just tell us a little bit high-level version of kind of what are RSUs, you know, for, for people who have them and kind of a, just a, a quick descriptor.
1: Great. RSUs, let's just break it down. What does that even stand for? Restricted stock units. They're not stock options. They are the company giving you a bonus. Instead of giving you dollars, they're going to be giving you shares of their company. Sometimes it's publicly traded. Sometimes it's not, depending on where you work.
0: Perfect. Uh, excellent. I appreciate you breaking that down. Um, you know, for folks, uh, I imagine folks will only be listening to this episode if they have them. Uh, but but if you don't, you know, now you know, or if it's something you're kind of working towards. Um, so then the next question uh, I have for you is, um, what are some of the main benefits of cost a- main benefits and costs of selling RSUs if you're thinking about selling RSUs that you've been given?
1: Well, I'm glad that you're thinking about selling them. That's always a good thing. Uh, So some of the things to just think about from RSUs is one, they're gonna be taxable income when they vest. So I think a lot of people forget that that happens because they they aren't getting a paycheck per se. It's just shares are available, let's say in their E-Trade account or Morgan Stanley, whatever custodian the company is using. Um, the benefits of selling them is that you're deconcentrating your risk in the company. So you as an individual and employee are working there, you have your human capital, you might be living in the Bay Area, so you're susceptible to all the tech risks that might be uh, happening with the economy. And then also, if the stock price goes down, you know, your work might be affected, so you're going to be selling out of the RSUs, you're going to be reducing your exposure to the specific company, and you can invest in other things that aren't just tech companies
0: perfect and you may you may have gotten this one before just a quick quick follow up on this note i liked how you said kind of you're de-risking yourself but what if someone were to say to you you know i believe in my company i believe in the company that i work for and i yes you know a huge percent of my assets are in them but how how would you respond to someone saying that
1: right well we never know if a company is going to do really well or really poorly. Uh, I'm not gonna give any specific names, but I had a, com- a client where they worked at a specific company and it was about $80 a share when they started working with us. And they didn't want to sell the shares. And they said, no, exactly what you said. I believe in this company, it's gonna do really well. Well, it drops to about $8 a share. And that difference in, their sh- in the share price cost them a potential home in the Bay Area. And, that, and that's how they, they were able to frame it. They lost about $3 million in that, in that time. So although we, of course, it's great to be optimistic about companies, we don't know what the future holds. So it's better to sell out of it and then invest in other things besides tech. And if you feel really strongly, sometimes I recommend clients hold a portion of their shares, no more than 5% in what I call a Las Vegas account.
0: I love it. I love that Las Vegas account term. And that's a really powerful story about that uh, person who lost a lot. So thanks thanks for sharing that especially at a time when things have just been going up, up, up historically recently around tech. So uh, the next, next question I have is how do you actually go about selling RSUs? Like what does that process look like?
1: Yeah. So let's use an example. Let's say that your, let's say a hundred shares become available to you. They vest on April 15th and it's like tax day. Um, you know, some some companies invest quarterly, some invest monthly, some invest once a year. It all depends on the company. So it's really important to look at your schedule and understand when they become available to you. So you'll be able, the shares will just become available in your account. Again, I'm going to pick on E-Trade. So let's say now they have a hundred shares of E-Trade of, let's say in, in their E-Trade account they're gonna be able to go ahead and sell them, which is what I would recommend. And also be aware that that's gonna potentially cause some taxes. So let's say they bought, it was vested at $100 a share and it went up to $101 a share. Now that difference of $1 is gonna be taxable income to them, which is the benefit of wanting to sell it right away so you minimize that gain. And sometimes it's even a loss. I've seen it even go down to $99, for example. Um, as opposed to waiting, let's say it goes to $150 a share. Now you're going to have a $50 gain, and let's say it's short term, so meaning it's going to be taxed at ordinary income rate, and you needed that money. Well, now you're going to be ta- hit with a much bigger tax bill than you would if you had just sold it at $101 a share.
0: Fantastic. I really like that breakdown of the two you know, ways you're taxed on inception and then, and then later. Um, uh, one quick follow-up, you mentioned the short term, uh, there, what for folks who don't know, like what what does that kind of short term gain versus long term gain mean?
1: Yeah, great great follow up question. So if you hold, let's say they vest on April fifteenth, right, twenty twenty, and you sell them, let's say a couple of months later, let's say it's uh, you know September fifteenth, twenty twenty. Now that is less than three hundred and sixty six days, so it's going to be taxed at your ordinary income rates. So if you're in the twenty two percent. Uh, tax bracket on the federal level, it's going to be taxed at 22%. Uh, Most tech workers are in much higher than (laughs) 22% tax bracket. Um, But if you had waited um, until it became long-term status, so you waited till April 16th, 2021, then that would be considered long-term. So if you are going to hold on to them, I would wait till they're at least long-term tax status.
0: Fantastic. So so to confirm, over a year sounds like long-term, is that right?
1: Yeah. Excellent. Over a year is key. I've seen some people sell right at the year mark. Ooh, okay. A year and then they get, they get bit by the tax, that's tax a good. Bill.
0: That's a good note. Uh, hopefully, people who listen to this can avoid that. Um, so, next question on RSUs What are some common misconceptions or mistakes that people make around selling RSUs?
1: Yeah. So I think, again, I think I talked about this earlier. One major misconception is that it's taxable income. I've heard a lot of people say it's free money. Well, yes and no, uh, you didn't really do anything. It's a bonus, but it is going to be taxable to you. So something to be aware of is that it's going to be taxed at your ordinary income rate as the vesting when it became vesting. And then you can decide if you want it to be short or long-term when you sell them. So there's that second tax event. Um, So I think that's a lot of people forget is they sell it. Let's like, I use the example, you know, uh, six months later, and then they didn't realize it's going to be taxable when it went to the $150 a share. The other thing that a lot of people don't understand is that sometimes companies do withhold taxes when they're, when they vest, but they don't withhold enough. I see very common, it's about 25%, 20 to 30%. But a lot of, tech workers are in the highest tax bracket and they get a big tax surprise when they go to file their taxes.
0: That's a great point there. I've, a lot of the folks i work with around cash flow and, 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 and budgeting, that's a big sore spot. And then we end up putting money away for that. But same thing when I was working at Facebook, a lot of people around tax time had, had unhappy surprises. So good, great, great point there. Um, Excellent. Well, that's all of my specific questions on RSUs, but I would love to know at a high level, um, Daria, if you could give one piece of advice on any financial topic to millennial tech professionals, what would it be?
1: I would say it seems really basic, but save, save, save. It's a it's a skill that you're going to learn to do very early. Um, you might may or may not learn very early on. It kind of depends on your money memories and lessons that you've learned throughout your life, but especially the tech the tech employees have all these amazing options to them. For example, I've seen a lot of them match, you know, nine, ten thousand dollars on their 401k. That's free money that's some of the people are missing out on because they're like, I don't want to save in my 401k. Retirement is so far away. So just remember to save early and then invest that money. Don't just keep it in cash or very, very conservative assets. That money is for the long term. So really take advantage of, of the long-term time horizon. Um, and the other thing is just deconcentrate your risk in tech. I know we talked about this earlier, but people are really like, you know, the, the FANG stocks, as people say, are just going to do great. Yes, maybe they will. But just remember that it's, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket.
0: Fantastic. Uh, totally agreed there. And of course, being that this podcast is called Saving Circle, I'm a big fan of the savings for sure. Um, what is one personal finance book or online resource that you particularly like for you know this this audience millennial professionals
1: what a great question I think especially you know millennial professionals we have so much information available to us we don't know where to go (laughs) with the kind of get analysis paralysis I'm a really big fan I don't think I can't think of a specific book I think that's because I studied finance in college so uh, it just kind of came naturally to me but I really like nerd wallet I think NerdWallet has a lot of really good resources and you can break it down by topic. They have good blogs, they have recommendations and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to learn about.
0: Totally second that one. I, when I'm doing research for clients on specific topics, NerdWallet's often a, a, a source that I, I look at. It's fantastic. So great one there. Um, last question for you. Um, how can listeners follow and connect with you?
1: Oh, great. I, w- I love to connect with people even just follow me or if you have general questions you know I'm an open book, uh, I would say that you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, or you can just go to our website. I work at abacus wealth partners and you can uh, we have a lot of blogs there or you can schedule a call to speak with someone
0: Fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much Daria again for for being here today. Uh, it's been been awesome. Awesome having you on the show. And I I learned a lot and hopefully our listeners did too.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. Absolutely. Um, And thanks to you, the listeners, for checking out today's episode. Um, For more personal finance strategies and tips, you can also always check out my website, savingsacademy.com. And if you found today's episode useful, I would greatly appreciate if you could leave a rating or review uh, on your podcast provider so more people can learn about the show. And that's everything for today. Until next time, keep saving, my friends. Keep saving.